She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. The world seems like a crazy place right now, with protests sweeping the globe and a pandemic still providing our backdrop. But as I come to you today, I am filled with cautious optimism, because every week, I get to meet and interview amazing women who, despite the upheaval, are quietly and steadfastly making the world a better place. Like my first two guests, Ruth Goba and Nana Yanfel from the Black Legal Action Center in Toronto. Started in 2018, they have been working around the clock providing free legal services for low or no income Black residents in Ontario. They talk to me today about the challenges they face, where they are needed most, which may actually surprise you, and how you can help them. Heather Greenwood Davis is a longtime friend of mine and travel writer who has globetrotted around the world with her family. She is also a black woman raising two young men with her husband, Ish. Well, I'm sure she would much rather be writing about the best places to escape to post-COVID. She took the time to write a great article recently for National Geographic about talking to your kids about racism, and she joins me today to discuss. Parents everywhere are spent. With summer just starting and camps canceled, some are waving a white flag, which is why you'll love the reassuring and very thoughtful advice from Julie Friedman-Smith and Gail Bell of Parenting Power. Anne Brody is bringing us an interview with Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Ron Howard and first-time documentary filmmaker of Dads, which is on Apple Plus TV this week as well as what we can't miss in new releases. And finally, Vaughn's own Antoinette Botticelli joins me to share her incredible health journey from being unable to tie her own shoes to kicking diabetes to the curb. You're going to absolutely love this inspiring dynamo and hearing how she helps women now on their own health journeys with no judgment and lots of humor. I'm so happy you're here. Let's hear what she said right now on 105.9 The Region. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. It was not a rainy day in Pizzaville when they decided to be part of the Good Neighbor Care Package on 105.9 The Region. Hey, it's Rob on the road here, and I'm delighted to announce that this week's care package is hot, delicious, and of your choice, pizza or pasta from the Good Neighbors at Pizzaville. Now, 150 bucks could be yours to be spent where and when you like if you enter the care package draw this week. To qualify, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, tag a friend, and you are eligible to win 150 bucks to be spent at Pizzaville. Contest closes June 18th. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Look at your career, they say. Lauren, baby, use your head. But instead, I chose to use my heart. Now the joy of my world is in Zion. 
The Black Legal Action Center is the only Black-led specialty legal clinic working to combat individual and systemic anti-Black racism in Canada. Joining me today is Ruth Goba, the Executive Director of the Black Legal Action Center, and Nana Yanfel is the Legal Team Lead at the Black Legal Action Center. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank I really you. appreciate your time today. So let's just jump right into it. Quick thoughts. What did you think of uh, Ford saying that systemic racism isn't in Ontario? I thought it was offensive to the Black community, actually, and the Indigenous community and other marginalized communities who every single day deal with the realities of discrimination and disparity and long-standing, um, deep-seated racism that exists in the province. I think that it showed that he really does not have a sense of all of um, the residents of the province that he um, governs. Um, the, yeah, I thought it was really problematic. Um, I thought that um, it, it, it just shows that really um, whatever talk there is in the government right now and even in the area of education where there's lots of talk around anti-black racism and you know the government we, you know the education minister says you know we want the government to understand the black community to understand we've we've you know we've got this that in reality they don't and that's a really significant problem for us moving forward yeah i think that that, that spoke volumes um to you know that yes systemic racism exists and and he literally proved it by standing up saying it didn't exist it's, it's, it was shocking, actually. Yeah. It was shocking, I think, to hear him articulate that uh, in the context of everything that's happening right now in our province. It was, a, it was shocking. So we recorded a, a, a longer podcast earlier, and I hope people will go over to the podcast and listen to that. But one of the points that you talked about was uh, the need for disaggregated data. So can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? We are not the first ones to call for that. I think our, our community and many um, public health experts, health experts generally have been saying, you know, we need to show the, how things don't affect all of us the same. And what is great about disaggregated race-based data specifically is that then it can show um, you know, the differential impact of certain measures, right? Right now, we don't collect anything. So we don't know whether or not our community is being disproportionately affected, for example, by COVID-19, right? Even though it is um, a pandemic that can affect us all, we know from looking at the US that it actually, it's not, right? It's, it's killing black people at a disproportionate rate. Um, so we and others have been calling for the collection um, of disaggregated race-based data specifically around uh, COVID health data. The province did say recently, I think it was early May, that they would start to collect. And I hear also the city of Toronto, um, at the Toronto Public Health, they are starting to collect disaggregated race-based data um, in the health data related to COVID. But also our, our organization and others um, are also calling for the collection of disaggregated race-based data across all sectors. Um, so in policing, child welfare, like across the province in all sectors, um, because we know that this data is important. 
I just want to say one caveat about that is we know that having the data also doesn't mean systemic change, right? Um, the U.S. has been collecting data for many years and we still see disproportionalities, right? Um, so it's important that we don't say, okay, when we have the data, the work is over. We need to be able to use that data to continue to push for systemic change and sustainable quality. So um, it's twofold. Yes, collect, but also we need to use that data in a way that pushes forward some real change. So how is the Black Legal Action Center um, helping then in Ontario? Uh, with respect to data collection or just... Sorry, um, uh, helping in your community in general. So what's your mandate and how are you uh, helping? Our, our mandate is to... We have a big mandate. Our mandate is to combat individual and systemic anti-Black racism across Ontario. So we provide individual legal support to um, low and no income black Ontarians um, who would other who qualify for legal aid services. Um, but we also work on issues of systemic advocacy. Um, we've recently uh, worked in coalition to bring a legal challenge to the failure by the city to ensure social distancing measures in the shelter system. There's a disproportionate number of black people in the shelter system because of high rates of poverty, really. Um, so we, we do, um, public legal education. Um, we, as I said, provide individual legal support. We work on issues of community development and we partner with other, other agencies that serve the black community and people who serve the black community to provide support where we can to, um, you know, you know, assist, assist them where we can. Um, Nana can probably continue as well a little bit more on the other on the other work that we do. I think you I think you captured it really well. We provide those legal services in, in specific areas of law, um, so housing, education, um, police complaints. Um, what else? <laughs> Oh, I'm blanking. Uh, prison law. Prison law. Um, we don't provide services in criminal law, family law, or immigration refugee services. So I want to circle back to something we talked about uh, in the podcast, and that was you opened a year ago, and you said that you thought you know you would be flooded with calls uh, in regards to policing. But what you're most surprised is those calls are actually uh, education based. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about some of those calls you're receiving? Yeah, so we receive calls, um, you know, we're a, an organization, our office is in Toronto, but we serve the entire province. So we are hearing from parents and young people from across the province, different school boards, um, saying something very similar, that they are uh, treated very differently in the school system by teachers, principals, um, other students, because of their race, because they're black. Um, and so, for example, we see that in terms of suspensions and expulsions, so the way that discipline is handed out. Um, black students are saying, we, well, we're seeing it actually in, this, in the statistics, um, that black students are overrepresented when it comes to suspensions and expulsions. We're seeing that black students are overrepresented in um, applied level classes and applied level courses as compared to academic courses. And that has an impact on um, post-secondary opportunities and employment opportunities later down the line. Um, and we're also hearing from parents who are trying to advocate for their children every single day um, to ensure that their 
feeling safe at school and ensure that they are treated fairly, um, who are met with sanctions, right? Who are told they can't come back to the school. They're served with trespass orders. Um, and they, you know, that, that's also a concern. So we're hearing from a variety of folks across the province um, and we're hearing very similar themes. And so anti-Black racism in the education system is, is very real. Um, and at, at Black, we are trying to work towards dismantling some of those, some of those practices. So people are listening right now then and they want to get in touch with you. What is the best way to do that? Uh, they can reach us through our website, which is www.blacklegalactioncenter.ca. Um, our phone number is 416-597-5831. We also have a 1-800 number, which is, um, and we have social media handles. Okay, so we're going to put all of those up on the video that's going to go out on social and anybody's listening Great. Right will have heard that as well. Uh, thank you, ladies, for joining me today. Uh, I wish you continued success in, in, in your uh, mandate. And uh, thank, thank you for thank having you so us much. on and for shedding a light on this a little bit. So yeah. we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Candice. It was lovely to speak with you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Messy Maid is back on the job and ready to give you the comfort of a professionally cleaned home or office. We use PPE for your protection and if you prefer, we will schedule cleanings when you're not on site to ensure social distancing rules are followed. Go to MessyMaid.com and get peace of mind and a clean home or office. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Hi, my name is not important. I'm not from here, I'm imported. I drink liquor like it's water. Hope my liver can't afford it. I've been lying here in Heather Greenwood Davis is a contributing editor and on-air storyteller for National Geographic Travel and a feature writer with The Globe and Mail. She is also the voice behind Globetrottingmama.com, an international family travel blog that features the adventures she takes with, and sometimes without, her husband Ish and their two sons, Ethan and Cameron. Her words and opinions on everything from travel to parenting have been featured in O Magazine and NPR. Heather recently wrote an article for National Geographic that focuses on raising anti-racist kids, and that's what we're jumping into today. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks for having me. So in a perfect world, it would have been so great if you didn't have to write that article at all. Right. Uh, but these are discussions that are so important. We have to be having them and not just as a one-off all the time. Absolutely. So I think what, um, you know, your point is so good because I think we think, oh, oh, okay, something's happening. We need to have the talk. You know, and there's a lot of talk about the talk. And quite frankly, it's an ongoing conversation. It needs to be something. If this is the moment that has alerted you to the fact that the conversation needs to be had, forget about feeling sorry about the fact that you're only now finding it. Forget all that. Start now. That's the point. And if you knew about it a while ago and you've already been having the conversations, work what's happening now into that conversation and continue having the conversation. But, you know, thinking of it as a one-time thing, not a great idea. And I think, you know, in particular, white parents think, well, if I'm talking about or pointing out racist, that makes me racist. 
Right. Uh, or, you know, or I'm making it a big deal uh, if, I, if I talk about it. Yeah. The reality is these are conversations you've been having with your, your children yeah. from a very young age. Very young age. And, and really, unlike, you know, the talk that you might think of like a talk for like when you're talking to your kids about sex or something, talking to my kids about me, talking to my kids about race is something that was so just naturally ingrained in our conversations that I can't think of a moment um, where we had the talk, you know, as a black families often talk about the fact that they need to have a conversation with their kids at some point about, you know, interactions with the police, about the fact that they're going to run into racism. And, and that's true. You know, as they get older, you may be having different kinds of conversations, but the very basic conversation about when your kid is like two or three and starts saying, you know, hey, so-and-so skin is brown and mine looks kind of peachy and, you know, whatever, that is introducing that time to talk about race. And there's absolutely nothing racist inherently about talking about race. Where you run into difficulty is when you add value judgments to those conversations. And what a lot of the experts I've spoken with have talked about is the idea that those value judgments all, all usually come from the adult in the conversation, the child then takes them on and carries them forward. So as adults, it's our responsibility to make sure that we understand our own feelings around race and racism so that when we're talking to our kids, we're sending the right messages along. Okay, so let's go through this article a little bit. I'd like to go through sort of, you know, the subheaders that were in the article so we can talk a little bit about each point. You yeah. have, uh, be prepared to talk about race-based events. Yes. Um, so obviously, we're dealing with a pretty big one right now. Yeah. So how do you prepare for that conversation? Well, it alludes to what I was saying. So for example, right now we have George Floyd who was murdered by a white police officer in the United States. Those images, because maybe we're all home because of COVID-19, um, because so many people, for some reason, um, this has sort of galvanized social media, traditional media, you know, television shows, the memes your kids are looking at, it's everywhere. The images, the information is everywhere. Black Lives Matter is everywhere. If you're not talking about it, it doesn't mean your kids are not talking about it. So if these things are going on and this provides an impetus for you to, one, either answer your child's questions about it, you better have an answer that looks at the history and context around protest why these protests are happening and you know sort of check yourself like do you believe the protests are wrong and if so why and maybe investigate that a little bit before you speak to your child because i think if you have the history and context you may come to a different uh, a different feeling about that okay so the one of the next ones and we touched on this a little bit was watch for statements that link race with value judgments yeah. So, and it's, it's little things. If you suggest that, you know, um, all black people uh, work in a certain area, or if you even just by not even necessarily saying, but if by showing what does your community look like, right? If you were going to gala events and there's no one at the gala who looks like me, you know, people are, that, that's something you're taking in, never mind something that you may be passing along to whoever is accompanying you to those kinds of events. So the idea is as you uh, look at your church, 
um, as you look at like where you live, what your neighborhood looks like, where you have your um, entertainment, you know, where do you go for those kinds of things? Do you participate in any sort of community activities? All of that, all of that needs to be examined and to see if you sort of align that with certain um, values about what is good and what is not. You know, another place that we can investigate, and I, I think I touch on it later in the article, but um, your media, you know, what does, what do your social media streams look like? And I am not by any way <laughs> suggesting that you should now go out and fill your social media streams with random black people or people of any race, but definitely what you want to do is take a look and say, okay, there's something wrong here. If my world looks a certain way and the information streams I'm following look a certain way, and then try to align yourself with people who share your interests, your values, um, you know, the, the things that you like to do, they're doing the same sorts of things. And yeah, if they happen to be people, find people who are of different ethnic backgrounds um, to follow and get information from in that way. And it's just going to diversify your stream. Well, you're, you're not trying to shift entirely to now following only, you know, black, in my case, black travel writers or what have you. But you definitely want to make sure that if travel's a space you're in, for example, you've got a little bit of everything going in there. Okay, excellent point. Okay, so, um, and so that would cover basically introducing diversity. And um, I thought one of them, though, was update your home library, which, uh, you know, that's something that I've taken a hard look at in, in the last, you know, a couple of weeks is sort of yeah. what am I reading? And yeah. whose point of view am I reading it from? Yeah. And when you think about your education, whether it was your primary school education, your high school education, your university education, you know, whose point of view was was history being told from, you know, who gets to say and that goes beyond anti black racism, right? We're talking about here in Canada. What about indigenous voices? You know, are you hearing all of the stories from a certain perspective? I think it's really important that we look at that as adults. But when you're talking about children, you're talking about not just you know, because a lot of what happens often is that we introduce um, black history through slavery and civil rights, right? And those are important things and shouldn't be excluded from textbooks. But they're also, you know, black people do other things. There's a lot it's of things that they've done. <laughs> done millions of other things in between slavery and human rights um, that deserve some attention and recognition, and we do everyday normal things too. Um, so that's always good to look at. So I think when you're looking at the books um, in your home, look also for, are there diverse characters? If there are diverse characters, are they being slotted into certain roles? Are the bad guys black, right? Like, look at your, your news stream. Are, you know, when the news cycle comes through and we're talking about criminals, are there certain criminals that seem to be featured in a certain way. You know, we know also that over the years, we've seen a lot of um, terrible things happen um, in the media, in the world in terms of women being attacked or, um, you know, school shootings or what have you. And a lot has been made about the fact that even right down to a mugshot, the photo that gets circulated in the media of a white offender versus the photo that may be circulated in the media of a, of a black offender means that sometimes I even open the newspaper and I'm not sure who was the criminal and who was the victim in a situation just from the photos. It can be really hard to tell. So we have to be really um, intentional about introducing diversity to our kids at a very young age. One of the authors I spoke to was... Um, 
Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, who's written a book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. He just released a book called Anti-Racist Baby. It's a board book. It's a board book. It's meant for kids under the age of two. And that's how early they're saying you, we can be addressing these issues. That's excellent. Okay, so if people want to read this entire article, uh, where can they go? So they should go to National Geographic Family. That's where that is. And I've also, I've had some conversations with ABC New York about it, um, which was a Facebook Live. So we got some, some viewer questions. So if they want to sort of get some more around it, I've got that up on my site, which is globetrottingmama.com. Okay, excellent. And if people want to find you on social to, you know, drool all over your travels, let me open <laughs> when that they up. happen again, <laughs> where can they go? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Greenwood Davis. On Instagram, I'm at Heather GD. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Heather. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. As all of us adjust to the new reality of COVID-19, it is important that we take all the steps to protect ourselves. Social distancing and masks will help, but what we need to do is kill the virus on surfaces and high traffic areas so we are not unwittingly spreading it or contaminating ourselves. Flubusters use approved Health Canada solutions to neutralize COVID-19 and other harmful pathogens. Whether in your home or your place of business, Flubusters can give you peace of mind that 99% of all pathogens have been destroyed. For more information about how you can make you and your customers safe, go to flubusters.com. Our new reality calls for enhanced safety measures, and Allegra in Aurora and Newmarket can help your business provide these. We provide plexiglass barriers, signage for the floor to help customers social distance, procedural signs, hand sanitizer stations, and much more. Now more than ever, we need to look out for each other, and Allegra makes it easier for your customers to feel you have made their well-being a priority. Go to AllegraMarketingPrint.com and choose either Aurora or Newmarket locations to see our full line of products. Allegra is a proud member of the Aurora Chamber of Commerce. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. With schools closed and camps canceled this summer, a lot of parents are not catching a break during COVID as they try to work and parent from home. Speakers, authors, and nationally featured experts Julie Friedman-Smith and Gail Bell of Parenting Power are Canada's go-to parenting team. Their real-life parenting podcast, blogs, and content have made a difference in the lives of thousands with their belief that there is more than one right way to parent. Welcome to the show, Julie and Gail. We need you right now. <laughs> Thank you for having us. How are we going to get through this summer? We are, and it's going to be fine. We can do, we can do it, for sure. <laughs> okay, so tell me, what is, um, what's the secret? Is there a secret? Well, there are a few secrets, and hopefully we'll share those with you over the next few minutes. One of the ones that we really love to share with parents is the secret to not reacting in the moment. Everyone is 
slightly more full of pressure than they have been normally. And those things that were itches are now feeling like a body rash. <laughs> and so any tiny little thing that used to just kind of bug us might cause us to explode. So the tool to put in your back pocket is have one word and make a plan for what that word's going to be. It could be wow, it could be whew, it could be hmm. But the, the way to use it is when you walk in and something's going wrong, the word that comes out of your mouth is wow. And then you shut your mouth and you pause and you, you take in a breath, take it out again. And then you go with I'm, and it could be I see this or I'm hearing this or I just heard or I'm feeling. But you start with the word I instead of the word you because <laughs> you little uh, usually leads to a bunch of things that we didn't want to say in the first. That's place. really powerful. That that those that little tool right there that you just shared. That's super powerful stuff for parents to have, um, you know, in their parenting handbook. Is that pause between the action and the reaction Absolutely. is huge, and also how we use language is important. So I really love that you said to use I instead of you. Great. Okay. So just starting with that can maybe cut down on the arguments that are happening in your day to day and leave everybody feeling a little more calm. So Gail, what, what would you say to this as, as far as the communication? You say clear communication is everything. That's right. So we've talked a little bit about communication in the moment. Um, some of these moments happen because we haven't taken the time as parents to communicate our expectations. We often think that our kids will just know what we expect of them. And sometimes they do, but many times they don't. And then stuff happens, right? And we can feel disappointed or frustrated. So clear communication is the key. And it's not just verbal communication. For kids, it needs to be visual. So when we're talking about what we expect our kids to do in, based on our values within the home, and we do this with our kids, it's not something we do to them, um, we need to make sure that, it is, that, that they have some kind of visual too, not, necessary, not on a screen, but literally go back to the old-fashioned piece of paper. It doesn't have to be a fancy chart. Don't put one more thing on your list to do and then just block it out, especially in these days, um, these extraordinary times when we're all home. Kids still need a consistent routine. So start with what they need. Start with their sleep. Block that in first. Start with their schoolwork. Block that in second. And that schoolwork block time um, for most kids is going to disappear, right? So schedule in their activity time. Schedule in their outdoor time. For our kids, they need screen time scheduled and they need to know when they get that. And it might not just be a kid's schedule. It might be a parent's schedule with their work time so the kids can see it and know what's happening. Okay. Uh, so, do you, you know, kids right now, I, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent right now. Kids right now are getting a lot of screen time. So let's say you have kids at home who are nonstop on their screens. How do you get them off of it? Do you, do you wean them off of it or do you one big, let's just take it away, cold turkey? Well, that's going to be every, every family parents a little bit different. So you have to establish how much time and what kind of use. So if they're creating with that tool, that's a whole lot better for their brains than just sitting consuming it. Endless and TikTok videos. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, it's just a conversation about when. And then once you've established when, you establish, you know, uh, what they can do, who they can be talking to, where is huge because the phones in the bedroom is not is not productive for anybody. That's going to lead to some 
you know, lack of sleep and some arguments there. So it's, it's a conversation about when, but um, we need to be, it is now a responsibility of parents. Screen time and, and how much our kids get is, is now on our plate. It's not going away, so you might as well deal with it now. So again, the American Pediatric Association and the Canadian Pediatric Association have very clear guidelines on how much screen time our kids could, should be getting for proper brain development, but we also have to balance it with how are they using that screen. Okay. So we're heading into basically what is the, essentially the longest summer break ever. Uh, <laughs> so you talk about the uh, I can do list and I really like this. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So I'm bored uh, are words that drive parents crazy because the, the automatic reaction is you're bored. Let me give you something to do. I've got so much to do. So instead of going off that way, a little bit of planning ahead of time can make this a lot more simple. Have your, help your kids to, or if you've got older kids who can do it on their own to create an I can do list. And it, and it might be an I can do list of things to do inside. It might be an I can do list of things to do outside. What about um, people that I want to Zoom with, you know, relatives that I want to set up a little Zoom meeting with, or uh, however your kids are interacting with their friends online. So make a list of those people as well. So the more planning we do, what it means is it's clearly visually presented for our kids. And then if they do come to us and ask for our help, we can say, check your list. At, or in the morning, if you're reviewing your schedule with your with your younger kids and you know, here's a time where you need to be doing something on your own, then I'm going to come together and be with you. We'll all be together for, for lunch or whatever it is. Then make a plan. Check your list and let's choose three things from that list that you're going to do so that you have a plan of what to do. Because if your kids are used to playing independently, great. This is going to be go much more simply for you. But if your kids have never been taught to do that and you've been the number one entertainment person in your house, it doesn't have to be that way. This is an opportunity for your kids to learn independent play. Start small, small chunks of time, set them up, and gradually have them be the, the, making the decisions about what they're going to do. Okay. So we only have a couple of minutes left. We, we, we did record a podcast, and I encourage everybody to go over to the podcast and listen to the longer version of this because it's fantastic. <laughs> but Gail, can you jump in for a little bit here? Uh, just quickly tell me, um, let's talk about the importance of sleep even through this. For sure. That's right. And we have to be careful because sometimes um, we're, kids are saying, but I don't have to get up and go to school. So we still know that for a healthy brain development, again, I'm referring back to the American and Canadian Pediatric Association. They have very clear guidelines on the amount of sleep, but we have to be careful that that doesn't become after midnight. Sleep before midnight is way more important for the development of the brain. So we need to schedule in our sleep first. You can't make a child sleep so the expectation is you're in your room with no screens, lights off, lying quietly at this time. Not that you need to be sleeping, but parents need to model good sleep too, because parents need to be kind to themselves mm -hmm. and be getting enough sleep so they have more patience for the next day. And patience is something we all need right oh, now. Yeah. Uh, we need to be building up our patient stores because I think we're in for a long haul uh, with this new reality. Um, so where can people connect with you then uh, on, on your channels? So you can listen to our real life parenting podcast. You can find that anywhere. Parentingpower.ca is our website and we in, encourage you to come and check it out. And then any of the social media platforms at Parenting Power. And we'd love to connect with you and help you to answer your questions and find a way for your family to work together to get through it. This is all about teamwork as a whole family and 
resilience. This is tough. How are we going to do this? Let's make the plan and get at it. And I really appreciate that you ladies acknowledge that there is not just one way to parent. Um, oh, no. I think that when people talk to parenting experts, they sort of get that feeling a lot that you know, they have to do it that one way. So I love that you're open to different ways of doing it. So thank you so much for joining me. We're going to put all your social channels up on the video that we share out on our social channels. Uh, and I hope we can connect again in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks, you. Candace. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Longman's Markham Kia has you covered and is practicing all safety measures for you. Don't pay for six months or take the cash credit. This is not a deferral. We are actually paying your installments. Zero down, 0% financing, zero security deposit, and zero upon delivery on select models. May was a hot month for deals, but June just got hotter at Longman's Markham Kia at 5396 Highway 7 in Markham, where we have you covered. This is the strongest program Kia Canada has ever launched, period. Valid only till June 30th. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. This girl is on fire. This girl is on fire. She's walking on fire. This girl is on fire. Taking charge of our health can sometimes seem like a daunting task. That's why it's always good to look around for people who have been in your shoes and taken charge. In 2016, Antoinette Botticelli was a full-blown diabetic, could not tie her shoes or walk more than 20 minutes. Sadly, she also had a 20% chance of dying. That is not her reality today. Welcome to the show, Antoinette. I'll let you tell me what happened when we fast forward from 2016 to 2018. Thank you so much, Candace. I am so excited to be on your platform this morning. Thank you so much. I am honored. It was crazy back in 2016. Like you were saying, I, I, I was a full-blown diabetic. You know, I was surrounded myself with amazing uh, people that helped me get a second chance at life. And what that looked like was... You know, a simple phone call. One of my dearest friends, Leslie, calls me up and she's like, hey, do you want to walk 20 minutes a day at 6 a.m. every morning and to, you know, start that way? I'm like, sure. But every morning I was like, I hated her because, you know, 20 minutes was difficult for me at that time. And, you know, another friend in my mind says, listen, hey, do you want to like, can you please join WW, which is uh, which was known as Weight Watchers before, so I can get a free month? So I'm like, okay. So when my friends helped me get a second chance at life, and what that did was, uh, fast forward to June of 2018, I was able to walk more than 20 minutes because it took me a year and a half to increase it. Um, I lost 141 pounds. You know, I lost a pregnant supermodel. Let's be serious. <laughs> and, like, you know, if you put it that way, yeah. And so um, I then I was um, given the green light that I was no longer diabetic. So I kicked diabetes to the curb. That, that is in and of itself incredible. Yes. I know. Wow. I was supposed to die. My organs should have failed. And, you know, so having friends sing to walk 20 minutes a day, that's all I did. 
Um, somebody saying to join me so I can get a free month, not saying, I think you need to join. And a beautiful woman named Lori that texts me every day uh, to, to find out what my readings were. So those three people helped me get my life back. So what happened? Like I became focused. I was surrounded by positivity. I just kept going and I was able to kick diabetes to the curb, lose 141 pounds. And then I decided to join a Weight Watchers cruise. I go on a cruise. I came across this beautiful woman that did this great um, uh, low impact exercise program. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I am going to do this. So I, went yeah, back I just want to say, yeah, a Weight Watchers cruise. I don't think oh anybody, my God. nobody comes yeah. back from a cruise and loses weight. <laughs> no, you gained 10 pounds. I'm telling you, but it was a Weight Watchers cruise. It changed my life. So saying yes to any opportunity is the key. Me just saying yes, changed my whole world. So I went on a Weight Watchers cruise. I got introduced to this beautiful woman named Sue, came back to Canada and I'm like, I gotta do this because I was able to see the vast amount of people, different sizes, shapes, age, everything. And I, I came back, I, I was just gonna do it for six weeks. Six weeks turned into twice a day, turned into two times a week, turned, turned into three times a week. And then last May, I decided to quit my corporate job. Wow. Huge change. Decided to quit my corporate job, um, started my own company called The Body, which is, you know, me. <laughs> it's part of my name. I'm a, I'm a proud Italian, but I'm a prouder a Canadian. So I have my Canadian little red flag here. So basically, basically, it's more than a group fitness class. It's a place, it's a community that we've developed. It's a place where we all come together to get healthier, stronger. There's no judgment. I'm a big promoter of no judgment, big promoter of you do you, a big promoter of you're not allowed to be perfect. Because I know how it felt like going into a group fitness class and I was like, oh gosh, but um, everyone's welcomed. And so basically I'm the female version of Richard Simmons. I'm a little <laughs> bit here though. <laughs> I have to tell you, you're, 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 uh, your enthusiasm is infectious. I, I literally just want to go run around a block right yeah, now. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm curious though, because you know, a lot of people when they have these turning points in their life, they have that moment, you know, that yeah. moment that said, okay, I, this is it. Like I have to, was there a moment for you? Was there a moment where you said, I really need to turn this around or was it a series of events? No moment. I was the one that avoided uh, mirrors. If anybody took a picture of me and put it on social media, I was like, who can I get to punch them out? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like things like that. The moment was just having a friend saying to me, can you join so I can get a free month? And so the first day I joined the Weight Watchers, um, I was, it was the worst day of my life and the best day of my life. And I just took it a week at a time. It was daunting to know that I had to lose 160 pounds because I still have 20 pounds to go for my own goal. But it's daunting to know that I needed 160 pounds to, go, to, to lose. But I took it a week at a time. And the people that I remember when I walked into that room that day are still with me today. So they're my biggest cheerleaders. They're my biggest motivators. I can't express enough by surrounding yourself with awesome people. Um, it, it just changes your life. If you don't have friends like that or family like that, I can be your friend. Don't worry. I'll help you. Like it's my turn. Hundreds of people help me. Now it's my turn to pay it forward. I got to help as many people as possible. Are you kidding me? Like that's my mission in life. 
Amazing. So tell me then about your, some of your members then. Who have you helped uh, on this journey? Oh, that's a great thing. Okay, so that's awesome. So I've helped, you know, I, I don't want to sound so great, but I've helped many people. There's a, many testimonials like um, someone couldn't touch their toes. Now they can touch their toes. Um, one, one beautiful lady decided to start running. So I meet her on the track in the morning. Um, a lot of people just get motivated to, um, to move more. Like they don't, they tell me all the time, like I've changed their lives. Like I hear it, but then I don't believe it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, there's hordes of them. And I just, I'm just so grateful for them. Um, I wish you could meet them all. They're phenomenal. Yeah, there's just many of them. So is there, you know, when you first meet with somebody, is there a piece of advice that you give them right away? Yes. My piece of advice is this. Whatever you do, do not judge yourself. And, and, and please do not compare yourself with somebody else. So your success is your success. So a lot of people compared themselves to me when I started my journey and I would lose three, four pounds a week, but they didn't want to start where I started. Do you know what I mean? So if you lose 0.2 pounds a week, that's your success. Be happy about it. If you can now touch your toes, that's your success. Be happy about it. You got to be, you got to celebrate it. So do not compare your, your success with anybody else. That's my number one thing. No comparison. Okay. So where, who, who do you help? Like, where are you located? So right now I, I live in Stouffville. Um, I'm like City Pulse, man. Like I'm, not, I'm everywhere. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I'm a WW coach in Stouffville and in Bonn. Um, I do uh, coaching in Bonn Saturday mornings, but because of what's happening in the world today, we're all doing it virtually. So now I was in Bonn and Uxbridge and, and Aurora and Stouffville, but now I do complimentary classes on Zoom. So, you know, out of a negative situation, a positive thing came out. Now I'm able to help to pay it forward. Do you know what I mean? So since this all started, uh, my, my viewership is from coast to coast, from BC to Nova Scotia to Atlanta, Georgia to Australia, Peru. And so now we're doing it live on Zoom um, virtually, complimentary, twice a day, 10 and 6.15. Wow, right. I, I, I love it. So, okay, people want to find you then. Where can they find you? So they can find me on Facebook, which is a body with Antonetta. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, a body with Antonetta. Um, and there's a website that I have, a body.ca. Okay, wonderful. And so people can connect with you there yeah. and do Zoom. And when we're past and out of this COVID, you're going to be back to running all uh, over the place? Yeah. Like I remember when I opened up in Vaughn. I opened up in Vaughn my first night. I had over 130 people. It was insane. <laughs> That's incredible. So uh, cool. Well, I hope that you will come back on the show. You've been just an absolute delight to, to talk to today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thanks, Candace. She's just the girl, but she's on fire. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Brody, who is sharing part of her interview today with actress Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Ron Howard, and her first documentary called Dads, Just in Time for Father's Day. So let's listen to that first. You know, Dads is each person's story and the cumulative effect I found to be incredibly powerful, almost breathtaking. 
And I'm wondering as you, the creator, when did it strike you how powerful it was? Oh, thank you. I mean, it's it's for me the the possibility of of making a documentary about modern day fathering from the perspective of fathers is just a very simple idea. Like it's 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 really really simple, and yet we haven't really seen an abundance of that, um, which is like that's very strange and kind of speaks to I think why why the film exists. Um, and and then I, I think it was when my when we were shooting and I kept saying I need to find an expecting father I need to find an expecting father I want to capture that before and after that transformation of becoming a parent for the first time and about halfway through shooting I found out that my brother was going to be having his first kid and um, and so that was actually the last the last stuff that we shot because we needed to wait for the baby to be born. And um, and at that point, the movie was largely edited. And so when I dropped the stuff with my brother in there, it was like, oh, goodness gracious, this became very personal. <laughs> so, you know, it was fun. That was incredible. The expression on his face just slays me. I, the image just stays with me. And, you know, fatherhood is a limitless experience. And you show us so many permutations of it. But I love that you flagged love safety example. How did you get those those keys? Who gave that to you? I mean, that was something that my dad said when I was interviewing him. And one of the questions was, you know, um, what what do you think are the most what what's the most important thing to remember uh, for anyone who's about to become a father? And and I remember, yeah, he shared um, love, safety, and an example to follow. And if you think of those things, you know, am I being loving towards my child? Am I, am I being an example of what it is to actively love? You know, am I, am I keeping my child safe? Like, is my child feeling safe? Are they safe? And am I an example to follow? You know, we can actually answer that question. A lot of times I wake up in the morning sometimes and I'm like, okay, today I'm going to parent myself. <laughs> today I'm going to pretend that I'm my own mom and dad. And I'm going to parent myself. And, and it's those days when I'm the best example for my children. That's lovely. That is a terrific idea. We could all use that. And, you know, there's such realism in it. And, and the variety and diversity of the, of the fathers that we meet is, is incredible. But in no way, it's just so powerful on its own. In no way did you manipulate it or in no way is it saccharine. And yet it tells the truth. So that to me is so positive. It's a great look at what is possible and i mean you know what's really interesting is that when, when um i first started uh to make this you know the hope was to interview comedian fathers they're kind of stand-up comedians are sort of our modern day philosophers um and to find fathers around the globe who uh, we could profile and it was overwhelming the amount of remarkable brilliant heroic fathers and the fact that like nothing needed to be manipulated because these guys are showing up in that's how they're showing up like that's them there's nothing for show and um and that you know we of course focused on you know these handful of families but it really it could have been in a way sort of any family 
anywhere on the planet. You know, fathers are showing up and they are committed to fathering and being caregivers. And that has not been acknowledged as much, at least as it's actually happening. And so I think it's, it's time to, you know, lift up our men and, and say, we see you and, uh, and we'll hold you to it. <laughs> and we support you. Thank you so much. Brilliant work. Thank you, Anne. I so appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Where can we catch ads, Anne? That is on Apple TV Plus. Okay, so we got a couple of minutes left. What can All right. we? We cannot miss Defy Bloods, Spike Lee's first Vietnam film with uh, Chadwick Boseman, who's an incredibly magnetic young actor. Oh, my God. So it follows Vietnam veterans who return to Vietnam uh, to look for the places they were and at the back of their minds are sort of thinking and finding the gold that, that a, one of their late colleagues hid. So, but it's a really emotional journey being the black experience in Vietnam, being a soldier, being anti-war and all of that. So good, strong stuff from Spike Lee. And we haven't heard from him from a, in a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. He's actually in um, Dad's. He's in Dad's. He was also in Deer, wasn't he? Sorry. <laughs> I you watch a lot of movies, Anne. It's okay. He was in Deer. Right? <laughs> I am paying attention. Oh, thank you. I'm glad somebody is. <laughs> okay. What else can't we miss? All right. Pete Davidson. We all know Pete Davidson because he had this incredibly turbulent, very public relationship with Ariana Grande. And for some reason, people are picking on him on social media, really trolling him super badly. And um, I don't know whether it's, he, he talks about having uh, bipolar personality disorder and he talks about having Crohn's disease, which is great, but the backlash that he's suffered is tremendous. Anyway, he is work. He's a breakout Saturday Night Live performer. So he hooked up with Judd Apatow, comedy genius, to make The King of Staten Island. It's semi-autobiographical for Pete, um, starting with the fact that he lost his firefighter father in 9-11. And in the film, King of Staten Island, he plays a character whose father also lost his firefighter dad in, in a in a fire. It started out so blue, so raw, so like I was just like, no, forget about it. This is just too much. And then I got really sucked in. And then it turned out to be the most tender, poignant, emotional film. So, you know, it went from ugh to that's fantastic. So I would really try and see that if you have the chance. It's on VOD from Universal. Okay, incredible. So you've got a whole list up at uh, what she said talk.com of uh, more uh, things that people can't miss. And you wanted to draw attention to one more thing on BritBox, which is Agatha Christie collection, the biggest collection of all time available to you to stream on BritBox. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ann. Thanks, Candace. That's it for what she said this week. Be sure to follow me on What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to hear my podcast with Ruth and Nana from the Black Legal Action Center, where we discuss what it means to actually defund the police. 
I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.